In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and businesses from all over the world. We bring them together. Now, you can learn a little bit more about Cinda under www.cinda.org. But we don't just bring thought leaders and businesses together from all over the world. We also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to this series, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance. And also, we've talked about business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, download us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. You can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. I invite you to connect with me. Kimberly Lewis at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And send me an email and let me know what you want to hear on this series. But regardless, don't miss the series. If you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to today. Now, every crisis brings challenges, threats, and opportunities for everyone, almost all of us, but especially for businesses, entrepreneurs, and their organizations. In December 2019, at the onset of COVID-19, we saw a wide array of responses from businesses and entrepreneurs. Much of this was as businesses moved their activities online and entrepreneurs sought out opportunities in the crisis. But not everything could be solved conveniently by moving online, and the new opportunities were not always that transparent. But this certainly did give us a push, and businesses and entrepreneurs started to innovate. From German breweries making hand sanitizers to tech companies developing tracking and tracing apps, innovation blossomed. But innovation entrepreneurship is not easy, and today we're going to begin a two-part series on innovation and entrepreneurship. Today, part one is about innovation and entrepreneurship, and next week, we're going to talk about the entrepreneurial mindset and journey. And to do that, we have two experts on these subjects. Our guests today are Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp, and they are co-authors of The Entrepreneur's Faces, 
How Makers, Visionaries, and Outsiders Succeed. Now, this book is fresh off the press and available on Amazon, Kindle, and in ebook format. Jonathan Littman also has best selling books with IDEO, and he's sold over 750,000 companies worldwide, and they have been published in 20 languages. Jonathan leads seminars and delivers keynotes on entrepreneurship, startups, and innovation in the U.S., Europe, and China. He's an expert on innovation, tech ecosystems, startup culture, and entrepreneurism. He is also an adjunct professor at the University of San Francisco. He also leads innovation, design thinking, immerse labs for executives and MBA candidates from 15 countries. Jonathan is the creator of Smart Up. Dot Life, an online innovation hub that publishes case studies about entrepreneurship and innovations, and also Start X, Start Twenty X, an online tool to gauge the talents, capabilities, and readiness of startups and growing enterprises. Susanna Camp is the editor and journalist specializing in emerging technology and business trends. She is editor in chief of Startup. Dot life. She's also an educator and instructional designer working toward a certificate in learning design and technology at Harvard. A super connector in the tech ecosystem of San Francisco, Susanna was an early team leader at Wired Magazine, where she led the creation of one of the first online communities. And she's also worked on the staff at Macworld, PC World, and more. Both Jonathan and Susanna are entrepreneurs in residence at School Lab, an international incubator and consultancy, which leads workshops, webinars, and executive courses on innovation and entrepreneurial mindset. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. Great to be here. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's start out. Um, you know, uh, Jonathan, I'll start with you. Um, you had the rare, rare experience of collaborating with IDEO on world leading firm in innovation on two bestsellers. What was that like? What did you learn from that experience? I, I was very lucky. It was uh, Kimberly. It was a six year experience. I probably interviewed more than a hundred people at the firm. Um, in, in London, you know, all around the U.S., and of course their headquarters, which is right near Stanford University. And uh, the first book was *The Art of Innovation*, and incredibly, it came out 20 years ago. And just this last month, uh, one of the best accelerators in San Francisco said it was the best innovation book of the year, actually wow. 2020. So I'm I'm very proud of that, and I was. I had this opportunity to interview David Kelly, who was the founder of IDEO, more than anyone else, because it was over the space of these these two books. And I could see from the inside how he created this tremendously innovative culture. And, and really, he was a very playful, open guy. He shared a lot of credit. He, he didn't have a huge ego. And he was great at teamwork. He sort of he got out of the way of people. It turns out his best friend was Steve Jobs. They yeah. were one another's best friends um, for many years. And I think you can point to a lot of the success today of Apple goes back to this uh, this time with IDEO. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that must have been a, a, a great experience, and um, and uh, that's a great accomplishment to have that book uh, be one of the top books here in 2020. So let me, let me go on to, let's just start with kind of the big, broad question, okay? Um, how do you define innovation? And, you know, Susanna or, or John, then whichever one wants to answer that. I'll, I'll jump in. I think Susanna will add in, in a bit. Um, big question, obviously. Um, I think in business, you know, it, it can be something very direct. It can be just doing something much faster, much more efficiently. And then there can be this, this multiplicative effect with doing it differently, completely differently. Like, say, the difference between a Tesla and a Ford truck. Um and I think when, because I have this history with, with IDEO and with innovation, we used to actually think of innovation as being physical products often, right, and superior products. And I think what's happened is we've gone from this product-centric view to an experiential view, that we're, we're looking at the experience of a product or a service and this will get to something we'll probably talk about a little bit later, design thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, I mean, sometimes people mix up creativity or being creative in innovation. Um, is that synonymous or can you mix, you know, what's the difference? Good or point. is there a difference? Um, they're related. You know, you could be creative and never create an innovative product, right? Um in business, innovation means it works. People like it. They pay for it. It becomes popular. The difference between innovation and an inve- invention is the same thing. You could have a great invention that no one buys, right? Um, so the, one of the reasons innovation caught on is it really means it has success either in a commercial way or in some popular way, and it is accepted. Um we teach together a class, Suzanne and I, at the University of California, and it's actually called Creativity, Innovation, and Applied Design. And what this class is about is about opening the students' minds to how they can be more creative and possibly more innovative. So we think, especially now, you can be very creative about how you look for ideas and how you develop them, and you can be sort of creative in your work But innovation is when those ideas in your creative process results in a tangible, valuable, improved product Mm -hmm. or experience. Yeah, and let me just add about this class. Uh, The class itself is innovative. It's not lecture style. Instead, we emphasize experiential learning, so learning by doing. We're not just giving our students case studies and asking them to write papers about them. We're having them design products brainstorm new ideas and teams, projects like how to innovate the university itself, and then pitch their work in front of the class. So the result is a very dynamic class where the students bond over shared learning, and that learning is about how to be innovative. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, let me, uh, that's, why does so many people, so you're teaching this class, and that's helping people learn to be innovative. And why do people struggle with this so much? Some people struggle with being innovative. 
Well, it's a high bar. Um, it, it's it's a, there's a big difference between say a modest incremental improvement um, to a product, which is you know we see if you go in the grocery store, it's new and improved, right? Um, and mm-hmm. you see the marketing. That's not innovation. Um, but I'd also say that there's a there's a human personal element, but there's also a cultural and a national question. So um, innovation is is about environment, and there are certain industries or fields that historically are more open to innovation. So uh, automotive, technology, pharmaceutical, these are widely considered among the most innovative industries, and they all share either a technical or a scientific foundation and a huge potential for scale. And not every industry has that. Yeah, I'll just add quickly to that. Uh, There are very big differences in national approaches, academic approaches, cultural approaches. And today, the the countries that are more innovative are investing in entrepreneurship. They're sponsoring accelerators and incubators and entrepreneurship programs. They're starting at high school or even younger, investing in changing the mindset of youth and young professionals. That's the foundation, getting a lot of young talent to move away from more static careers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, you know, in this whole innovation, I mean, is there a, a difficult kind of innovation to create or an easy kind is, you know, what is the most difficult type of innovation? Great question. Uh, ironically, it can be extremely hard to innovate within a large successful company. You would think that the resources and millions of dollars would make it easier, but Most big companies want sure things, and innovation is not a sure thing. There Mm. are hundreds of examples of very well-funded corporate or state innovations that actually were colossal failures. So you can think, say, New Coke or Google Glass, uh, or just a few years ago, Samsung's exploding Galaxy 7 uh, mobile phone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, This is, we're going to have to take a short break now. And uh, when we come back, I really, you know, when you're talking about this being a little bit difficult to get people to innovate and the difference, especially in large companies or legacy companies, I want to talk when we get back a little bit about um, how you foster innovation Mm -hmm. and the different kinds of innovation. But we're going to take a break right now. And for our listeners, we are talking to Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp, and they are the co-authors of The Entrepreneur's Faces, How Makers, Visionaries, and Outsiders Succeed. And this book is fresh off the press, available on Amazon, Kindle, and ebook format. Now, Jonathan also has best-selling books that he's done with IDEO, and they have sold over 750,000 copies worldwide and have been published in 20 languages. And Susanna Camp is the editor and journalist specializing in emerging technology and business trends, and she is the editor-in-chief of Startup.life, a series of stories and information about innovation. Now, if you'd like to connect with Susanna and Jonathan, you can connect with them on their website, www.theentrepreneursfaces.com. You can also connect with them on smartup.life. And they're both on LinkedIn 
under Susanna Camp and Jonathan Littman. And this broadcast is brought to you by Cinda. Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing local search associations. And Cinda Virtual has podcasts, webinars, and training under www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday on Voice America Business. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about 
Innovation Entrepreneurship. And we're talking with Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp. And they're the co-authors of The Entrepreneur's Faces, How Makers, Visionaries, and Outsiders Succeed. And this is a book fresh off the press and available on Amazon, Kindle, and in ebook format. So before the break, um, we were talking about, you know, why people weren't innovative and creating innovation. And I, I just like to, you know, throw out what are some of the ways to foster in, innovation? Are there certain methods to do that? Definitely. Uh, we're big proponents of what we call cross-pollination and sort of getting outside of your industry and seeing firsthand what's happening, say, in other countries, other fields. And, you know, that's one of the things that's really more important than ever because we've been, you know, stuck in our homes and our apartments and, and we're not really getting beyond the narrow niche of our of our world. Also, I think data has failed us. Data, data has not shown to be this wonderful new bridge to new innovations. Um, largely because habits and behaviors are changing so fast. So you've got to get ahead of them. Okay. Um, and is one method better than the other? Well, we, we talk a lot about um, looking for things that are missing. Um, I, I have a, a great story I love to tell. So I'll try to tell it quickly. About 45 years ago, 50 years ago, McDonald's uh, uh, didn't have something. McDonald's was missing something. Can you guess what was missing at McDonald's 50 years ago? Oh, God. Breakfast. There was no breakfast. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's true. (laughs) So one franchise owner, he only owned two stores began prototyping. We call this the maker in our in our new book. He, he made some prototypes of what became the Egg McMuffin. And guess what corporate headquarters said? They said, we don't do breakfast. <laughs> and this is the kind of thinking that really, especially in big operations. Yeah. So he kept prototyping. He kept working. The founder of McDonald's came down. He ate one. And then he said, I would like another. And suddenly McDonald's had breakfast and they had 20% more annual income from this one man. And what we talked earlier about experientially, well, only a few years ago, um, McDonald's changed something else. Can you guess what they changed a few years ago that gave them billions more in revenue? Was Was it that coffee thing? Oh. It was simply, Kimberly, changing a rule. Rules can hold us back. The rule was you can't have breakfast after 11 o'clock. Oh, yeah, that's true. Breakfast <laughs> that's all day. True. So so there's a lot of conceptual innovation that can happen with yeah. businesses and experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are great examples. And I mean, and when you talk about this innovation, because, you know, I never thought it was changing the rules as innovation. Um, people talk about different kinds of innovation, like disruptive or, or radical. Um, are there different kinds of in, in, innovation? And can you kind of give us a high level look at them? Well, yes. Uh, innovations can be products or services, but they can also be about experiences. Uh, for instance, Marriott, the huge hotel chain, is a big rule stickler. They are not very innovative. When something goes wrong with your stay, they stick to the rules. Mm -hmm. And Hyatt, on the other hand, the Hyatt 
hotel chain trains and empowers staff to be ready for the unexpected, those difficult moments when uh, customers have a bad time. So what they do is they give staff members a discretional budget to go and above and beyond when that happens. So that's the difference between someone becoming a loyal customer or a disgruntled former customer. That's great experiential innovation. Mm-hmm. And when, when you, well, that's a great example because, you know, as a, as a customer, I've, I've lived that as a customer. But, you know, when you think about fostering innovation and you think about companies like that, many companies think quite linear, um, you know, about products, services, processes. I mean, if, is that the correct approach or but they, should they be think of it more in a holistic manner? Yes, holistic. Um, I think it comes down to culture. You know, we're we're working with some people now. You know, companies now have to build a new e-remote or an e-remote hybrid culture. Right, the world just mm-hmm. changed, and and so a couple great examples of different kinds of innovative culture. You know, Apple's culture. We we just had dinner with a guy who works at Apple, and he said point blank, Apple's culture is quality. People love creating quality products, whether it's hardware or software. Amazon is about thousands of online prototypes a day. Very different cultures, right? But but both very innovative. Um, another great example, very different company, is uh, it's called Workday Inc. It's an on-demand financial management and human management capital company. It's actually number five on Fortune's top 100 companies to work for. And there's a similarity to what uh, Susanna just talked about with Hyatt. This staff are really encouraged to take risks in, in getting great customer support. And so they have almost perfect satisfaction scores. So there are very different paths you can take to being mm-hmm. innovative. Yeah, let so, me so- Okay. I just want to add to that. There's also, um, when we're talking about holistic manners of innovation, uh, other companies are really leading the way in sustainability. And uh, Nike, for example, is leading the charge in the circular economy, where an emphasis on renewable materials and zero waste drove them to create this new program called the Nike Adventure Club. This is a subscription service for children's shoes. So kids wear a pair of shoes for a few months, then send them back when they outgrow them and get a new pair. The shoes are recycled or donated. And the customer life cycle starts early and continues for years. It's brilliant. It's a win-win. Wow, that is, that is brilliant. I didn't know that. I haven't heard of that. Um, that's really great. So that's really, I mean, Nike is focusing then on the customer. I mean, so in this innovation process, where does the customer fit in all this? Uh, great question. So I think we think you, you've got to listen and get close to your customers. Uh, Apple, you know, has um, the, arguably the best stores in the world. And they evolve and change um, really every week and every month. And this is a great source of insights for them about their customers, about their products. And they build on this relationship. And and I'm sure you may have been. um, And those workers there are not like retail workers for another company. You know, Mm -hmm. they're almost treated by 
sort of like mini executives and they pride themselves on their knowledge. You know, when there's a difficult challenge, a customer has a difficult problem, they come together, you know, as a team. Um, and I think that's that's a good signpost. You know, if you really love your products, you want to get closer to your customer and you want to learn more about, you know, making great products and this great mm-hmm. sort of holistic experience. Yeah. And then the customer feels good. <laughs> too. Okay. Yeah. So, um, just to come back, Jonathan, you said something about design thinking a little bit earlier, and in, in our um, in the show, can where does that fit in? Can you explain that to us? Yeah, designing is a hot topic. I, I think it's very big. You know, also in Europe and Asia, worldwide. And I like a, a, a better saying. I think I call it designing experiences. And, you know, as we said, we we used to talk about creating just a great product, right? And I think today, until it becomes a sort of an attractive, relatively seamless experience, it's not really enough. And I want to give a quick example. So Edison, of course, he created a great, you know, light bulb. But truly what he created was an entire experience of widespread and reliable electric light. Now, Tesla wasn't the first to have an electric car by any means, right? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't just a product. So, you know, Musk, he's a crazy wild guy, but he's a genius. And what he did was he tackled this huge pain and created a great experience. And the industry was broken. You know, we all hated car showrooms. um, And he made it sort of new with design thinking. And so he got rid of the dirty gas station. He really got rid of the terrible showrooms and he celebrated the the sort of technology and the science and the design and the customers came first. I actually know this firsthand because my nephew was one of the young men who delivers your Tesla to your office or your home, right? So they completely disrupted this whole experience of buying a car, of thinking about, you know, what car you want. And, and, and that's sort of the higher level of design thinking. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, th- these are great examples of companies that really have, you know, innovation ingrained in their organization culture. Um, but not everybody has that. So, you know, if they don't have it, how can it be optimized? Yeah, I can answer that. I'd like to give an example from government, which is hugely important right now in the time of COVID. Uh, Taiwan's digital minister... Uh, the basically the country's CTO, Audrey Tang, is really reshaping ideas about what government officials can do from digital tools for contact tracing to innovative digital fencing quarantine policies uh, to clever and effective messaging campaigns that really change people's behavior across a nation. Uh, Chang is also a master at Twitter, which is an essential skill at publicizing effective actions, so they stick. I actually met her on Twitter, so I was thrilled because she's sort of an internet celebrity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. That's great. And, you know, I mean, when you you talk about getting innovation optimized, and we kind of got to push, um, um, you know, with this whole COVID. I said that in the intro. You know, um, what other kinds of situations can drive? So you have people like her doing Twitter and driving it in countries. We have, you know... um, 
pandemics, which are, are not positive, but it has driven innovation. What else can drive innovation? Well, you know, in Europe, we've, we, we haven't seen, you know, the best experience, let's say, in, in Spain and Italy and so forth. Nearby, little tiny Portugal had this wonderfully startup entrepreneurial culture before the crisis. So when things hit and they thought there were going to be another Italy and another Spain, it was actually the entrepreneurs who spontaneously came together. They created a web site. They created a movement. It was a tech for COVID-19. And almost instantly, they had 5,000 volunteers working on 30 projects. So they were supplying wow. doctors and nurses with PPE, a, a contagion tracker, you know, support for video calls between doctors and patients, you know, all kinds of things. And eventually this did connect with government, but it sort of proved the, the entrepreneurial edge that can come if, if a country or a city, you know, has this mindset. Mm -hmm. I want to add a quick point about education. There's a lot happening in education right now. I mean, I'm studying it at a Harvard program in instructional design and technology. So we're seeing huge shifts in habits because of COVID. Innovators are designing and innovating for that near-term future. Uh, and that's not just about creating coursework. Uh, that allows students to engage, but ma making those ways of engagement even better than in the pre-COVID world. Mm -hmm. I would also and say, this, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Susan. Oh, I yeah. also just want to say that, that some businesses are remaking themselves to address educational needs. Our gym, for example, this is quite different. Uh, it's an upscale gym in California, has, has shut down a lot of services due to the pandemic, but now it's pivoting into the educational space. It's offering mm -hmm. distance learning pods for kids. So they've got classrooms, Wi-Fi, teachers, tutors, and of course, athletics in between everything. That's, and and that's, that's where really this innovation entrepreneurship come together. And um, we're going to take another break. And I want to talk about that when we come back. I want to talk about, you know, entrepreneurism and innovation and, and you know, how it works together. Um, and for our listeners, we are talking today to Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp, and they are the co-authors of The Entrepreneur's Faces, How Makers, Visionaries, and Outsiders Succeed. And this is hot off the press, available on Amazon, Kindle, and in ebook format. Now, Jonathan also, Jonathan has other best-selling books that he did with IDEO, and they've sold over 750,000 copies worldwide and been published in 20 languages. So please look for those on Amazon. And Susanna Camp is the editor and journalist, is an editor and journalist specializing in emerging technology and business trends. She is the editor-in-chief of Smart up.life. She's also an educator, instructional designer, working towards a certificate in learning design and technology at Harvard. Now, if you want to get a hold of Jonathan and Susanna, you can go to www.theentrepreneursfaces.com. They can also be reached at smartup.life. And they're both on LinkedIn 
under Susanna Camp and Jonathan Littman. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. You're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Please go to www.cinda.org for more information and to hear some of their podcasts, their webinars, and training events. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday on Voice America Business. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. 
Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and today we're talking with Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp, and they are the co-authors of The Entrepreneur's Faces, How Makers, Visionaries, and Outsiders Succeed, and this is available on Amazon, Kindle, and an e-book form, and it's Fresh off the press, okay? And we're talking about innovation. And um, I'd like to, 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 guys, I'd like to talk a little bit about innovation and entrepreneurship, okay? Because a lot of people think entrepreneurship and innovation are synonymous. Um, what would you have to say to that? Well, we, of course, we happen to write a book that's going to go deep into that, um, the, the Entrepreneur's Faces. And we really think, you know, now that this crisis has happened, now that we know it's, uh, you know, sticking around for a while, you, if you want to be innovative, you're going to have to come up with an entrepreneurial way of thinking and doing. Um, I, I think this goes to many different levels. It goes to, you know, where and how you will work um, now that the office, you know, co-working are really not safe today. Mm-hmm. And... And this is just a huge change. And and when I started collaborating with IDEO, you know, more than 20 years ago, as I mentioned before, it was physical products. And this evolution now, not just for now digital products, but for experiences, actually goes to you, the individual. And that's why we kind of prefer this term entrepreneurial over Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. And entrepreneurship is often thought narrowly of startups but entrepreneurial can be someone in a, in a big company. And I think with COVID and these sort of dire economic changes, we all have to be entrepreneurial. And it, it doesn't matter if you're in a big company. you got to be entrepreneurial if you lost your job, your, your furloughed, or you're starting something new. And, mm-hmm. and so I think it's really the present in the future of innovation. It, it's gone to a more individual and team-focused stage. And I think innovation is always the result of sort of fresh ways of looking at the human element of improving and disrupting products. And now we've got to start really with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that entrepreneurial rather than entrepreneurship because, I mean, a lot of times people took the word entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur and, and related that directly to startups. Do you still see that happening rather than this shift to what, shift to what you're saying, entrepreneurial, innovative, creative? Are they still relating it to startups? Great question. Uh, the entrepreneurial mindset, just to reiterate what, what John said is a minute ago, uh, it goes beyond startups uh, and small businesses. It's a quality that can extend to any project and can certainly also apply to corporations. That's what we call intrapreneurship. So the understanding that business as usual is not always the best way forward and in fact won't sustain your company in the long run. There are are many advances in technology uh, to the world that we live in and corporations really need to partner with startups to innovate. Everyone, everyone on these pilot projects, whether they're part of the startup or part of the corporation had better bring an entrepreneurial mindset to that or the project's not really going to get off the ground. 
Mm-hmm. And do you think it's hard to bring an entrepreneurial mindset into legacy companies? Uh, I'll just quickly jump in. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Okay. Uh, uh, and that's what we see, you know, is our new book, really. Um, you know, it, it, it's both individuals and teams um, because – because if you look at startups, they, 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 they really have a different vision, uh, whereas legacy company is building on a past success that might be five or 10 years ago. But we think there are ways to do that. And we, yeah. think, we think there's a lot of possibility. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, you know, when you're talking about these entrepreneurial people, whether they're, they're in startups or, or you find them within the organization, is there, is there one common type of person? Well, great question and uh, very timely because that's what we set out to explore in the book, The Entrepreneur's Faces. And what we found is that there are distinct archetypes. So 10 different kinds of entrepreneurial types we identified. You may be familiar with some of the more famous ones. Uh, The type that we call the maker is a big prototyper, prototyping all the time. That would be somebody like Richard Branson. And the type Mm -hmm. that we call the conductor is a platform builder. And that would be, say, Mark Benioff of Salesforce. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we're going to actually, in our part two next week, we're going to be talking about, for our listeners, we're going to be talking about these different kinds of entrepreneurial um, types. And uh, so please tune in to us next week again to learn more about that. But with that, I want to go into another question because now we're talking about individuals, okay? But, but many you know, and I, you know, many people, and I've done this myself, I think about entrepreneurs as a single in- individual, but um, it's not always a single person, is it? No, it's not. And in fact, in Silicon Valley, sole founders are a very rare breed. Uh, they, they struggle. They struggle to get an audience with the VCs. They have a harder time raising funds. Uh, instead, the complementary skills of a co-founder or a small team at the outset will lead to better decision-making and probably better success. So you can think of this as diversity on the team. If, if you are your own first customer, uh, you better have a broad range of interests or you're not going to meet a very wide range of needs. You're not going to get a lot of traction for your product. So that's why in our book, in, in our workshops, we emphasize self-awareness within the context of a team. What are you good at? What do you need help with? That's also the premise behind the entrepreneur's faces, that there are unique types of entrepreneurs. And when they pair with compatible types, they can build successful teams. Mm-hmm. And and to come back to the question before, so, so p- pairing with other types and the building teams so that they can be more innovative. Um, to come back to my question on the legacy companies, I mean, h- how, does a, how does a legacy company do that? I mean, do they have to hire, you know, how do they tell if somebody's entrepreneurial or not? And how do they build those teams? It, it is a great question. You know, the, the technical term within a company will be intrapreneurial. And, and when they do this, they may do this in three or four different ways. Um, one is they may actually look to hire people who actually are entrepreneurial, who people who maybe worked at a startup, successful or a failure. Um, they 
are, are hiring people that that wouldn't necessarily fit in the same boxes they already you know fill. They also may hire people and and put people in charge of overseeing a corporate accelerator, which will support startups, um, either within the company or sort of as a satellite. There are also teams that, you know, their job is to scout startups, uh, either Mm -hmm. to acquire or to invest in. And um, they also have people who are sort of... um, sort of an all-rounder who might head or work on a project that doesn't fit in these normal boxes. Mm-hmm. But isn't that isn't it hard for these companies? You know, they want to be innovative and and they want this entrepreneurial. Isn't it hard for them to attract them? Um, because they do have this kind of historical, um, you know, this legacy <laughs> behind them. Um, would, yes, would I they, mean... You, you know, and you're going to the culture question. We actually think the culture question is going to be huge in the next months and years, right? Because they actually have to create a new culture now, right? Yeah. Uh, and and yes, so they have to start creating a culture, and they may have a slightly separate culture for more entrepreneurial divisions or parts of the company, mm-hmm. and and those may be more attractive to the entrepreneurial type. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and this entrepreneurial type, I mean, they're facing challenges themselves, okay? And what do you think the bis- biggest challenges the, the entrepreneurial um, type is facing today? Well, that's a good question. I think it's about finding complementary types who will match your efforts, especially as a, as, a co- as, a, as a sole founder. As I said before, you really need to find a great co-founder who's going to help balance you out. Uh, I would also say that, especially right now, uh, one of the biggest challenges is uh, finding the creative ways to test out your concept or business model with customers. You don't always have the same access to customers that you used to in the old world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, pe- people, you know, we, we, pe- we're seeing a lot of creative, we're seeing a lot of innovation now. And, and as we talked before, kind of COVID pushed us in one direction and, and we're seeing new work models. And do you think in general that pe- people are becoming more innovative um, or is it that we're recognizing it more because of the shifts in what we've gone through? You know, good question. I think we now can see um, innovation really clearly. So, so look at what happened in the first months for like Peloton, Zoom, Slack, Beyond Meat. Now, each of these companies, they had an entrepreneurial offering right before the pandemic. You know, Peloton, disrupt the gym. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Zoom, disrupt the office meeting. Yeah. Right, uh, Slack disrupt you know email Beyond Meat disrupt you know traditional meat right now these companies are going crazy they're going nuts and and they took direct disruptive aim at very traditional offerings mm-hmm. and and I think people are seeing that now but did but no not everyone's being innovative some people are hunkering down but uh, a lot of smart and ambitious people are seeing that. It's a time to take a risk. Yeah. 
Good. So we're got really in, it fantastic insights from you both, and um, we're getting towards the end of our show. So um, I just I'll start with you, Susanna. A word. We have a lot of managers. We have a lot of people in tech. We have um, uh, business entrepreneurs listening. If you had one kind of word to the wise on um, innovation for in entrepreneurship, what would that be? Well, I would say practice self-awareness in order to build an intentional culture. Um, I think uh, that our book speaks to this. And John, do you do you want to piggyback on that? Yeah, we we actually, uh, you know, I think we'll be chatting about this in our our next uh, segment. uh, But we encourage you to take a quick look. it's, it's the entrepreneursfaces.com. There, there's even a quiz you can try to decide and discover who you are. Um, and we think you have to be entrepreneurial now and uh, you have to come up with a, a fresh mindset and a way to tackle uh, projects. Um, most companies are simply saying, you know, work from home, um, mm-hmm. e-remote work, uh, you know, we had announcements right from Twitter, you know, months ago, but very few have figured out this new question of culture and this new question of, you know, whether it's going to be an e-remote culture or a hybrid culture, we know it's going to change dramatically. And I think you are going to have to take agency over your culture, your ways for connecting with people sort of beyond the obvious of, of getting beyond the boring Zoom meetings and the horrible webinars, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, thank and, and making people want to work for your for your company when yeah. your company doesn't have an office. Yeah, I, I we're we're going to be working with a company on on building that new culture, and it's going to be a hybrid culture because even when people come back, a lot of this is going to stay. Um, you know, a, a, a lot of the things we've learned do work and yes. people are not going to be going to the office for five days a week for 10 or 11 hours at the office. No. And I mean, that you, you're right. And thanks for those words. And for our listeners, please join us next week because we're going to be continuing this conversation. We're going to talk about the entrepreneurial mindset and journey. And we'll be talking again with Jonathan Littman and uh, Susanna Kamp. And Jonathan is the also the author of 10 other books. His best-selling books are with IDEO, The Art of Innovation, and The 10 Forces of Innovation. They've sold 750,000 copies worldwide and been published in 20 languages. And Susanna Camp is the editor and journalist specializing in emerging technology and business trends. She is the editor-in-chief of SmartUp.Life and a consultant for CEOs wanting to build their social media footprint. She is was also an early team leader at Wired Magazine, and she led the creation of one of the first online communities. And they are the authors, Susanna and Jonathan, of a new book, uh, The Entrepreneur's Faces, and it's on Amazon Kindle and ebook. You can reach them under www.theentrepreneurfaces.com on smartup.life and on LinkedIn. And with that, thank you both. And I look forward to having us chat again next week. And hopefully our 
listeners will also tune in to us next week uh, for the second part of this series. Yes, thank I you, feel Jonathan. Thank you, Susanna. It. It's going to be fun. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. Thanks, Kimberly. Thank you again. And listeners, you've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel with Kimberly Lewis. And until next week, thank you. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.